Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Good morning, everybody. You guys are sounding good, looking good. All right, so I have a quick announcement to make. Um, last year, about this time, we started a challenge that went over really well called B90X. And uh, it was a, a challenge to kind of read through the Bible in 90 days uh, using a 90-day plan on, on the uh, Version app. And uh, a lot of you ex- embraced that challenge and uh, many of you started of it, a good handful of you finished it, and, uh, and it was, some of you are still working on it, some of you turned it into B, you know, 400X, that's fine, that's totally cool, and uh, don't, don't let that get you discouraged, keep, keep chiseling away on, on that, and uh, some of you actually uh, completed that B90X challenge a couple of times last year, you, you enjoyed it so much. And, uh, and so, so that's great. So this year we're rolling out a different challenge. I, I, I would encourage you to do the B90X thing uh, again. Uh, it's, it's just really beneficial, beneficial, beneficial to read uh, kind of through the Bible in a short period of time, large chunks at a time. I don't know. I can't tell you. Those, those of you who, who, who did it can, can testify to the fact that there's something about connecting the dots of the Bible that helps when you read larger chunks. And... Um, and a really, really cool challenge. This year, we're going to roll out a challenge. Put that, put that up on the screen there. We're calling it Bring Three. Bring Three. And this is the challenge. I want to challenge every man, woman, boy, girl in this church to bring three people to church by uh, March 29th. March 29th. The significance of March 29th is that's the week before Easter. The week before Easter. Bring three people to church before... Now, there are some of you... <clears throat> That uh, hear this challenge now. Last year, when I said read the whole Bible cover to cover in ninety days, a lot of you were like, "No, <laughs> you know that that's like really daunting." And there are some of you who hear this challenge and you're like, "Bring back B ninety X," you know? <laughs> that's like 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 that that is really scary to you to kind of stretch yourself in that way to 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 kind of. Uh, attempt to bring three people to church over the next three months. And uh, this, is what I, this, is what I, this is the reason for this challenge. One, uh, we're commanded. We're commanded to go out and, and spread this gospel. And bringing people, in my opinion, this is just me, my opinion, bringing people to church is one of the easiest, simplest ways to go and spread the gospel. Because honestly, if you're that person that's like, Ah, uh, man, I don't know how, I, how, how am I going to answer the questions? And I, I, you know, sharing my faith is kind of uh, daunting to me because I'm afraid I, I won't know enough if they have questions, things like that. Uh, just inviting someone to church to a place where they can get their answers uh, or their questions answered to me is so, is so simple, so simple. And so I want to want to just challenge you to reach out to your family, reach out to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, your, your fellow students, uh, whoever, and just begin to bring people in. And this is what, what's going to happen. Um, a lot of times uh, this time of year, if you don't, uh, you know, I, I follow, I'm a church nerd, so I follow church trends and stuff like that. But, but from about January up until Easter is a kind of a natural growth period in the life, life cycle of a church over the course of a year. Jan- usually in the fall after school starts, and then January to Easter, two natural growth 
uh, cycles, okay? And, and so this is, what, this is my goal. A lot of times we put all of our eggs in the Easter basket. <laughs> I didn't even mean that pun, but it, cool, it worked out good. <laughs> I totally didn't plan that. That was awesome. Uh, so put all of our eggs. <laughs> we put all of our, I'll, I'll never get over that. We might as well dismiss now. Um, we put all of our eggs in that particular basket. And, um, and so in, in, in terms of, uh, we make a big deal of out of Easter, like invite all your friends for Easter because everybody says yes to an Easter invite, that sort of thing. And we have a big crowd on Easter. And, and this, is, this is what I want. Let's, let, let's, let's spread that basket out a little bit over the course of the next three months. Let's build, let's, let's take advantage of the natural momentum our church is going to have over the next three months and really feed into that. And then allow also all those people that we've invited over the last three months to join us in that whole Easter invite thing where we, and, and let's just blow the doors off of this place. I think it's going to be a break. If, if, if we all, first of all, get, get this in your head for just a second. I mean, imagine the numbers. We're, we're not talking addition. We're talking multiplication here. That if we all embrace this challenge, every single one of us, and do everything we can to, now, when I say bring three, that doesn't mean invite three. It probably means invite 12. It probably means invite 10. Uh, but, but out of that, then, then three, three will come. And if we all do that, um, I think that we'll look back on this, ne- this, la- this next three months as uh, a breakthrough moment for our church. I really, really do. And so in a lot of ways, you guys had spiritual breakthroughs uh, in your B90X challenge last year. I think a similar spiritual breakthrough will take place in your life and in the life of our church because... By the way, there's much more scripture in the Bible that you read in their B90X challenge about uh, bringing them in than there is about you reading that Bible. Um, that us reaching out, you can't, we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but you cannot separate the call to make disciples from the overall gospel call. You cannot separate it. You cannot be like, I want the gospel for my own life and not also embrace the fact that we are called to go make disciples. Jesus, look at the model Jesus gave for us. Jesus reaches out to the, the, the initial 12 disciples. He calls them to follow him. And he, this is what he said. He said, follow me and I'm going to clean up your life. Is that what he said? No, that's not what he said at all. He says right in his initial conversation with him, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Right from the very beginning, his, his whole thing is, if you follow me, I'm going to teach you how to also help other people to follow. And so it's right there wrapped up in who we are as Christians, this, this idea of reaching out to other people. And so let's do this. Bring three before March 29th or, or by March 29th, and, uh, and then I, th- I think it's going to be a great challenge for us. Okay, that's all I got. All right, let's uh, get in your Bibles. Uh, John chapter 9. John chapter 9. So we're c- going to continue this Hope of Glory series. <clears throat> now the whole idea of the Hope of Glory thing... Uh, you know, our, our mission statement of a church, as a church, you probably saw it on the screen a little bit earlier, is glory to God, hope to people. We're going to do everything we can to bring as much glory to God as we possibly can and to bring as much hope to the people around us as we possibly can, as too, can, can too. And so, uh, <coughs> pardon me, that, that glo- now this kind of hope to glory, hope of glory uh, concept is really a different concept than that bringing glory to God. What this is really more about is positioning ourselves spiritually so that we have a higher likelihood of experiencing, witnessing the glory of God, of seeing God's glory in all of its glory, 
uh, of, of really seeing God move in powerful, powerful ways. We serve, if you read the Bible, if you believe the Bible, uh, if, you, if you believe uh, you know, stories that have been passed down through the ages, we serve a God who is capable of big, big, big things in our life. Big things in our life. And I want to get close to that God. I want to position myself in such a way that, that I see God move in some powerful ways in my life, that he brings about some change in my life uh, that I can't bring about on my own, that he uh, demonstrates his power, his might, his glory in such a way around, in, in, in my life around me some way or in our life as a church that we can look at it and go, that was, that was God. There was no other explanation for that. That was God. I, I want to be. I want to be around that. I want to be exposed to that. I think we all do. I mean, right? Does anybody here want to see God? Want to see God move? I, I, I do. And so, so we've been. We're going to look at. <clears throat> we started last week. We're, we're looking at a few miracles that Jesus did in His ministry here, and and the implications of those for us. We're going to look at this one in John chapter nine today. That uh, is a really uh, cool miracle where, where Jesus heals a blind man. <clears throat> I may have just given it away. He heals a blind man. So there's this, there's this blind man. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I, like when I take off my glasses, first of all, I look weird. And um, second of all, I can't see any of your faces. Like cannot see any of your faces. And it's, I should preach this way, actually. Um, cannot see, like, like I see, I see uh, blurry figures out there, but I can't see any of your faces. Um, um, but I, I have mental images of your faces. I know what your faces look like and that sort of thing. Uh, here we're going to deal with a story of a man who uh, was not, uh, you know, born nearsighted, didn't become, you know, farsighted. He, he, he didn't become blind uh, later in life. We're talking about a man who was born blind. It, it's so important that we don't miss this point. Jesus encounters a man who was born blind. Um, think of, um, okay, uh, if I was to say, um, just random, the Eiffel Tower, there's an image that pops in every one of our heads. Most everybody's head in this room, there's an image of that object that pops in your head. If I was to say, uh, half dome. There's an image that pops in your head. If I was to tell you, think about your grandma. Uh, for many of you, there's an image that immediately uh, pops into your head. Uh, this is a man who not only cannot see, but has no images to put to words. None. None. You guys have seen, um, you know, um, either in personal experience or on, on television, people who uh, are blind who kind of feel their way to, uh, you know, through faces and things like that to try to figure out what certain people look like, so to speak. And, and uh, But this is, a, this is a guy who has no, no mental images to go with any word that anybody ever says in his life. Can you, I can't even imagine that. Like every single word in every single conversation that he ever has, he has no mental images to go with those words. I mean, I've, 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 have you, has anybody here ever been in like complete darkness? 
complete, like, to- there's a, um, uh, one of the big caves out near uh, Springfield, Missouri. I can't remember what it's called, if it's uh, Fantastic Caverns or one, one, of those ca- one of those big caves. And um, it's one of the only drive-through caves um, in the world. And uh, you can get on a tram, and they drive you a couple of miles through this huge, huge, huge cave. And after you do a few turns back and forth through this cave, and you are out of sight from the mouth of that cave, and you really get back deep, 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 you know, several hundred feet deep into this cave, they do this thing where they turn off the, they turn off the lights. And they, they kind of decrease the lights, like this is what... Uh, just the um, you know the headlights of this tram look like in here. This is what it looks like with a thousand candle power in here. This is what it looks like with just one candle power in here. You know, and and uh, you know there, there's that phrase that people say a lot about how you know light kind of sends the darkness scattering. Just one little light will kind of send the darkness scattering. But I'm going to tell you when you are deep, deep, deep into darkness. And you light one little candle, the darkness kind of overcomes that light. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, you can see that light, but that's it. It's not like that candle, like, suddenly illuminates the entire room. It just doesn't. That darkness is so thick. And I have, I have an, an idea of this guy who was born blind that, that mentally, even in some ways possibly spiritually, he had that kind of darkness just pushing in on him. Pushing in on him. Let's read this for a little bit. Uh, John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. All right, so let's stop there for just a second. So... I want, I want to, I was saying earlier, I want to position myself in such a way that I get to experience the power of God. This, this situation of this man being born blind, um, there's, it is a hopeless, hopeless situation. A hopeless situation. This, this man had zero hope that he would ever, I mean, nobody who knew him, anybody who knew him had zero hope that this man would ever see a thing. Why? Because he was born blind. There, there's something that takes place in, uh, in, in the life of a, of a baby. That, that, you know, when babies are first born, their vision is limited to about an arm's reach. I mean, they, they're, they're, they can't see beyond just so far. And so that's why embrace and things like that are so important, you know, for, for a baby. And, and what is also happening is that at a very fast rate in, in the first few months of a baby's life, 
uh, brain cells and connection and synapses and things like that are working out and building and, and creating these neural pathways that will allow this child to function as we all function. It just, let's just deal with the area of sight, okay? Just, just this area of sight. I mean, there's so much more going on. But just in this area of sight, the, these, these connections are happening rapidly, fast, and growing and growing and growing until eventually this child can see the way most of us with, with healthy eyes uh, see or most of us with poor eyes and glasses see. And when that, when that begins to happen, um, they've actually, there's actually been studies done, cruel, cruel horrible studies. But uh, you can, if you were to place a patch over one of, the, one of a, a baby's eyes as soon as it was born and leave it there for six months, that child will never see out of that eye, ever. Because so much of that connective, connective work and those neural pathways are being worked out at such an early age, that child will never see out of that eye if it's not given the opportunity to see at an early age. That's why this idea of this man born blind, it, 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 we're talking about an impossible situation. I don't know if anybody, you know, if, if you're old enough to remember this or young enough maybe to remember this, uh, but as if you're an adult, you remember that sensation or that feeling, that, that sense of trust that maybe, hopefully, that you had with, uh, with your parents, where as a kid, I can remember try, attempting things on my own, trying to work out things on my own, and eventually getting to this place to where I was just like, oh, I give up, I, it's impossible, I can't do it. And I would say something to my dad and say, I, 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 you know, this can't be done or I can't do it or whatever. And, and my dad would simply say, no, this is what you got to do. And he would show me. And suddenly what was impossible to me was very po- almost simple to him. He just knew. He just knew he had he either had strength that I didn't have or he had knowledge that I didn't have. And what, either, what, either way, it didn't matter. He was able to accomplish what I could not accomplish. My, my, my little girls especially, I've got older kids and, and younger kids, my little girls especially are still this way. I still get to see this where I will, they'll try to do something and get frustrated and throw it down or whatever and get all upset. And I will say, hold on, this is the way you do it. And I will show them. And Little Meadow said this just the other day, you are the best dad in the world. I love that. Isn't that the best? That's, that's the best feeling when you get that. Like, like I mean, we, for, for, it's, there's a certain age range with our kids where we are literally superheroes in their eyes. Like, like, and so that's what, you know, they will often ask me, how did you do that? And my response is always the same. It's daddy magic. It's daddy magic, right? Because I, I've got either strength that they don't have or knowledge that they don't have, and I'm able, able to accomplish things that they consider impossible. And I think, I want you to look at your own lives in this way, that what about your life have you looked at as absolutely impossible? There's no sense of even trying. And maybe you're just in the position of, of, my, of my kids or your kids where it's not that it's impossible, you just don't have the knowledge or you don't have the strength. But there's somebody who does. There's somebody who does. What's the situations in your life that you have absolute that you that everybody around you tells you? Or maybe, maybe it's not even you're not even thinking about it anymore. Not even, it, it, you have you, th- this particular issue, whether you want to call it some sort of handicap in your life or some sort of uh, problem that's just always been there that you have even stopped thinking about as a problem because it's just your reality. What are those situations in your life that you have just kind of you don't even think about it anymore because you've kind of given them up on given up on them? 
What are those impossible situations that, what if, what if they weren't impossible? What if, what if, what if they weren't impossible? That, I think most of us, I, I, I would say all of us, have at least one or two things in your life that you look at, maybe you've got to, it's been there so long you look past it, and you consider it an impossible situation, and that's just the reality you're walking in, when maybe God wants you to believe it could be possible again. Maybe God wants you to believe it could be possible. Look, look, look at that, that phrase there. Go ahead and put that up. Um, oh, this is so good. Okay. I love this, this aspect of this story. Your problems aren't usually about you. Where they're asking Jesus, you know, who sinned that this guy was born blind? Who, whose sin was this? Christians are the weirdest people. Because we tend to believe that every bad thing that happens to us is because God is somehow upset with us. Like, like can I just challenge you, to ch- challenge you to challenge that thinking in your life? Because it is crippling thinking. And it is painting a picture of God in your own mind and in your life and in your spirit that is just not accurate of God. This idea that if something bad is happening to me, then it must be because God is upset with me. Do you really, do you really think that that's what we're doing here as Living Hope Church, that we are calling you know, dozens, hundreds, whoever of people to come and join us so that they can have the joy and peace and pleasure of serving a God that they have to walk on eggshells around. Is that really what we're doing here? I I hope not. I hope not. This idea that if if something bad is happening to you, it's because God is upset with you. It It is just a subtle, crazy little lie that the enemy tells you to kind of keep you from experiencing the kind of freedom that actually Christ died to set you free with. We need to be people who will get past this whole idea that, you know, well, who sent? I used to, I used to be this way as, as, a, as a teenager. I was horrible. You guys have heard me tell embarrassing stories about when I was a teenager that, you know, I was kind of this weird romantic nerd that, I, I mean, I was just in love with dozens of girls that never knew I was in love with them. And... Um, <laughs> You know, and, and that sort of thing. And I can remember, like, before before uh, school, you know, just about every morning, uh, you know, looking in the mirror and and, uh, and and having, like, a huge zit pop up on my forehead or something like that. And then just thinking, why, God, what did I do? What did I do? What did...? And, and, and it sounds silly, but it was genuine in my heart, man. It was like, I must, there must have been something I did to deserve this blemish to keep me from having the courage to, you know, ask girl out that I will never ask out, by the way, right? That sort of thing. And so I just lived in this constant, like, like I said, walking on eggshells around God, thinking that every bad thing that possibly happened to me must have been because of my sin. That is what Christ came to set us free from. That thinking is exactly what Christ came to set us free from. We don't have to live. Sometimes your problems aren't about you at all. Who who would have thunk that maybe your self-centered way of looking at the universe is not the way it actually is? 
Sometimes your problems aren't about you at all. You will, we, we take these things very personally, and we get really upset about things that happen to us. And sometimes that thing that you're so upset about is not about you at all. And I love Jesus' response. And this, I don't think this is a blanket statement for every situation in the world. But in this particular situation, it's true. And I think in a lot of, uh, you know, may possibly our situations, it could be true as well. Perhaps it has nothing to do with sin. Perhaps this man was born blind just so God could show his power. Just so God could show his power. I I know that for some of us, you'll, you'll hear that and you'll think, well, that sounds like a cruel God. I don't look at it as cruelty. And all I can say is that He's God, and it's his universe. What, what kind of um, situation, impossible situation is going on in your life that maybe it's not impossible, maybe instead it's God waiting to show his power? Maybe it's God waiting for you to step out on faith and believe that he could do something that everybody else says is impossible in your life. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. This is what I know, what we talked about last week. God shows up for people in big ways who ask him to show up in big ways. And I want to be one of those people. I want to be one of those people. And is God going to give me a yes every single time? No, because he knows what's good for me in ways that I don't. But he's going to give me the best answer, the best answer for me every single time. Every single time. Let's keep reading. All right, Uh, we're going to verse (coughs) 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground. (coughs) He spit on the ground, made mud with the the saliva. Uh, Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. That's a big deal. Um, Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Um, here's, here's the thing. This man, born blind, never seen a thing, had no mental images, experiences um, an encounter with Jesus. Jesus uh, does some sort of thing where he spits on the, in the dirt, mixes it up. <laughs> puts that mud on, on the guy's eyes, says, go wash the mud off. And then the guy comes back seeing for the first time as a grown man in his entire life. He has now all those things that, that babies were experiencing, all these synapses that are being, you know, these mental, or these neural pathways that are happening are happening now in his brain. He is putting images with words. He is putting faces with voices. He is, he is seeing things that he's, never, that he's never seen, everything that he's never seen before. Everything. Everything. I saw this um, um, documentary <coughs> the other day, and uh, it was on Netflix, and it was about the, um, the work that's being done in Europe with the, um, uh, with the LHC, <laughs> with the Large Hadron Collider, and uh, and they and and trying to discover what they're call, what they call the Higgs boson uh, particle. Uh, some people call it the God particle. It's 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 
It's this element, this, this, this undiscovered element that they have been able to, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, but they, they were able to find it through math, but not able to actually see it yet. And they created this huge, huge device, something like 18 miles around uh, to, uh, to collide some particles together and then be able to see this Higgs boson particle, this God particle that they believe is, is the stuff that started the Big Bang, uh, started all of you know, the universe as we know it. It's really cool if you're into that sort of thing. It's a really cool documentary. Um, but this is what happened to me. I, as I watched that documentary and it kind of played out and it got all the way to the end and they, they found, finally found evidence of what they were looking for and, 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 and that, just that initial evidence, what began to unfold, the knowledge that began to take place because of that new evidence of, of that new scientific you know, discovery. Um, in that moment... I'm not making this up. In that moment watching that documentary, I saw God as clearly as I've ever seen him walking through Yosemite Valley. I saw God as clearly in that moment, in that new knowledge, as just as clearly as I've ever seen him with any, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that connects with God through nature a lot. You know, I, I just, I feel close to God when I get out and see awesome things. And, and I saw God just as clearly in that moment of new knowledge of this new scientific breakthrough as I've ever seen him getting out and taking a walk in the wilderness. And I say that just to say this. I, I, I really believe this. I really believe that every ology is at its root a branch of theology. Every ology is a branch of theology. And it's not so much that... Um, I, you know, I know there's a lot of churches out there, a lot of, uh, you know, preachers who, who, in the way that they preach, uh, they preach kind of a, uh, you know, God versus science type of uh, teaching type of thing, or, or science is the enemy. I, I think that could not be further from the truth. Really, I think whenever good science is done, I, every single time it points to God. When good science is done, it points to God, just because that we, we can get to a place scientifically in our world that you can begin to explain how some things happen in this universe that we live in, that does not, just because you can explain it does not negate God's activity in it. And this, this is what I, act, I actually believe this. I believe that, that there is a science. Some of you are going to have trouble with this. Stay with me. I believe there's a scientific reason for every, a scientific explanation for every miracle. There's a scientific explanation for every miracle. Are you saying you don't believe in miracles, Jeff? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I believe that we serve a God who is operating on laws that we have not even begun to comprehend yet, who lives and exists in realms and in dimensions that we are too limited to completely understand. We kind of hit on this a little bit in, in, the, in the kingdom series we did several months ago. But God exists in, this, in, a, in a dimension, in a realm that is so far beyond us. And it's not that God is magic. It's that God has complete knowledge of, control of everything else, of the universe in its fullness, and we only see a small part of it. 
We only understand a small part of it. And I think that if, if, if scientific knowledge continues to increase and increase and increase, we will be, begin to see more of the universe than, than we know. I mean, we, we know more now than we knew a thousand years ago, and I think that will continue to happen. And it does not explain away God. Instead, in my mind, the view of God just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When it's good science, and, and when I talk about good science, this is what I mean. I mean, science that doesn't come to the table with the presupposition that there is no God in this equation. Now, in the same way that there can be bad science, can, I, can we just be honest and say there can be bad faith? There can be bad religion? That when we come to the table assuming that science is the enemy, assuming uh, you know, all these different things, that there can be bad faith and there can be bad science, there can be bad religion... But I think when we, when we begin to look at this universe that God's created and we continue to discover more and more and more about it, in my mind, that is not a threatening thing at all. It is a worshipful thing. It is a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. It's absolutely, absolutely amazing. That next uh, statement there that God is operating from laws that we can't even comprehend. Uh, why? Because nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. God has com- complete control. He set up all these laws. He set up the, the dimensions. He set up everything that is, is, is known and unknown in this universe. And with him, what we look at as impossible is completely possible because he's in complete control. And he knows things that we don't know, and he is stronger than we are strong. With God, nothing is impossible. So let me ask you that question again. What is, what is that impossible thing that you've been thinking about or maybe not thinking or giving up thinking about that maybe you need to consider, could this be possible again? Look at verse 9. <coughs> verse 9. Some said, it is he, talking about the blind man. Others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. <laughs> And so it is me. And so they said to him, Then how were your eyes open? And he answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Now, this is what I think. I think that on a pretty regular basis, God attempts to break through all of our presuppositions about what's possible and not possible. And, and encourage us towards faith in believing him for things that we have long considered impossible. And we have been so programmed to believe those things are impossible that we dare not believe that they could be possible. Why? Because we'll look foolish, we'll be disappointed, we'll be whatever. And this is what I want to challenge you to do. I want, I want to challenge you to begin to look at those big things in your life, maybe even small things in your life, things that you've just taken for granted. Jamie and I had this revelation a few years ago. A few years ago, we had this revelation where, uh, you know, Jamie has dealt with chronic sinus issues. Uh, She's had multiple surgeries and things like that, and and it's just been debilitating for her. And um, she had a surgery coming up, and (coughs) um, we had this this realization that we've never really prayed about that issue. We just assumed that that was Jamie's reality. Never really asked God to heal her of that. I mean, maybe she did. I didn't. 
I just was like, well, I just got this wife, you know, that can't breathe. And so that's just the way things are, you know. And so, um, and, and it just, you know, what, what I had begun to embrace as just reality and normal, I suddenly felt the Holy Spirit kind of pushing me towards believing something that I hadn't considered possible before. And so we began to pray for, for healing for Jamie. Jamie went through that surgery, and, and, um, and, and since, that's been, what, two or three years ago now? And nothing. She's been fine since then. I'm not saying, I mean, who knows if it comes back or not. I don't know. That's for God, that's for God to decide, not me. But it's the longest stretch of breathing she's ever had, <laughs> right? And so, um, but I mean, so, so like I say, it could be a big thing. It could be a small thing. I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, it's a small thing to me. It was a big thing to her, I guess. But what is it that God is challenging you right now in your life to believe could be possible? That you have just assumed is always going to be impossible. What could it be? What is God challenging you to do in your life right now and kind of the Holy Spirit kind of nudging you to do what big move is he asking you to make that that everything and everybody around you is telling you that, that that's a horrible idea don't do that and um, you know whatever but you still feel this push from the Holy Spirit to kind of take this step of faith what's that thing that might be possible if you would just simply believe you know, what, what, if it, what if that day that man born blind born blind Got Jesus spit mud in his eyes. And Jesus says, go wash over in the pool of Siloam. And uh, what if the guy was like, um, yeah, whatever. I think, I think he'd still be blind right now. Instead, he does, this, he does this crazy thing where he's like, okay. And he goes and washes his eyes and then he can see. I, I've been... Um, you know, we've got this um, kind of campaign coming up that we've been calling Project Hope and <clears throat> where we're, you know, we're going to make a serious push to get into a facility of our own, some property of our own. I really think it's a necessary next step in the life of our church and I, th- I think amazing, amazing things are going to come out of it. I really believe this. But the numbers are daunting. We're not, we're not a wealthy congregation and uh, you know, the numbers are daunting. What, what it's going to take for us, I mean, this is California. I don't know if you noticed, but things are expensive. <laughs> the numbers are really kind of out there. And I can remember just, just the other day, just the other day, I had this moment where I'm sitting in my office and I'm, I'm kind of planning and, you know, because we're going to roll out this challenge to you within the next couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm planning, you know, that whole, the whole challenge and what that looks like and how we roll it out. And and as I'm making these plans, I've got these little voices in my head saying, oof, this may not happen. Oof, this is big. This may not happen. And right in the middle of those voices, um, somebody walks into my office and uh, hands me a $10,000 check. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. That was just a seed, folks. It was just a seed. I think what God does through the life of our church and through our lives individually, um, we, we, we can't even begin to imagine. But this is what I want to challenge you to do. Have the faith to when Jesus says, go and do something, even though it might seem hopeless, 
even though it might seem crazy. Have the faith to take a, stu- uh, take a few steps and do what he said to do and just see, just sit back and see what happens. I think, he, I think God wants to demonstrate his glory to us, demonstrate his power to us in so many different ways if we would just believe him. A belief that requires possibly a little action on our part. Have the faith to step out and believe and to act. It's a big deal. I want, <clears throat> I want my relationship with God to be that kind of relationship that's marked not by my power, but by his power. I want our church to be the type of church that is marked not by how great we are, but by how great the God we serve is. That's what I want for my life. I think that's what you want for yours too. I think that's what you want for your church. What's the impossible thing that just might be possible in your life if you would just believe? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and and we thank you so much for your word. We thank you... um, that even in the way you moved in the lives of people 2,000 years ago, there are still implications for us right here, right now in this room 2,000 years later. And um, God, would you, would you forgive us for our small faith? Forgive us for not having a clear view of who you are. And would you increase our faith? Like, like the disciples prayed, Lord, we believe and help our unbelief. We do believe. We do believe in you. We believe you are who you said you were. But in those areas of our life where our faith is small, will you help our unbelief? God, right now, in, all across this room, I pray, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak in the hearts of people seated here and uh, remind them of some things that they have long considered impossible. Remind them of maybe even some recent challenges that you have given them that they have looked at as impossible or, or maybe impossible for now or whatever else, God. And would you spur the kind of faith in them that would allow them to step out in faith and trust you to make the impossible possible. We, we sit here in full recognition, God, that we do not know everything but you do God I I believe there are people in this room right now that have um, physical illnesses physical handicaps physical you know things going on with their health right now that they have um, maybe given up hope on or their hope only stretches as far as the knowledge that doctors currently have You know areas of our body that you created that, that have not even been discovered yet. So God, help us to place our faith in you. Help us to ask for God-sized things to happen in our lives, in our health, in our, uh, in our careers, in our families, in our church. our abilities and our gifts that you've given us. God, would you demonstrate yourself, demonstrate your glory in some way through us.
you so much. And we thank you so much for being the kind of big God who wants to move in our lives the way your scripture teaches you want to move in our lives. We thank you for being the kind of God, uh, Heavenly Father, who wants to give his children good gifts the way that your scripture tells us you do. So God, right now, all across this room, I, I want to invite all of us to, to pray for those good gifts. Those things that maybe we've been too reluctant to ask for. Those things that we have told ourselves, well, this must just be my reality, God. We want to step out in faith and ask you for those good gifts again. Whether it has to do with our health, whether it has to do with our, our um, careers, our finances, our, our families our friendships, our church. We ask you to challenge us to believe you for big things. And we will do our best to meet that challenge. We love you. We declare you alone are worthy of our praise. So we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good, amen? Amen. Amen. All right, so um, bring three. Everybody have a great week. Take care.